Welcome back to the 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. My name is Wayne Kimmel, managing partner of 76 Capital, the sports tech venture capital company. And on this show, I interview top sports entrepreneurs, athletes, and executives who are shaping and many times changing the sports business industry. Today, we're going to talk about the business of sports marketing research with Scott Horowitz, the CEO of Vision Insights. Scott, welcome to the 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. Thanks, Wayne. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. I mean, this world of sports marketing and analytics and research, I mean, it's on the tip of, t of everyone's tongue. I mean, whether you're a broadcaster, whether you're a, a fan, I mean, you want to know all the deep, you know, analysis today. And that's what you guys at, at Vision Insights do. And I'd love to hear, hear, hear all about it. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for that setup. Yeah, we're, we're working on uh, creating a bunch of new syndicated products for the sports industry so that, that sports marketers, whether you be at a rights holder, an agency or a sponsor, can really understand the fans better than they've ever understood them before. I think that we've seen a lot of disruption recently in distribution of sports, how people consume sports and, and with OTT over the last several years just the mass influx of more things people could be fans of. Um, and so that attention span has really gotten diluted and, and we're trying to uncover that in a way like never before, uh, hitting a broader spectrum of fan as well, looking at teenagers, adults, um, and across over 250 uh, professional sports teams, leagues, and, and everything else out there. You know, I've seen you give a presentation on this and you break it all down. And, you know, as you said, down to the teenagers, down to the different areas. How do you and your team do this? Yeah, so the, it depends on what the need of the customer is, right? So if we if we take a look at our syndicated products that we've we've been launching here over the last few months, um, the first one is looking at fans across the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, all in one interface, all in one dashboard. Um, and we we quite simply we wrote what I would say would be the best survey that you can go out and field in terms of syndication, right? So the whole thing was really um, built up on the premise that. Nobody has been servicing our sports uh, community, our sports marketers, the way they need to be serviced. So all the tools that are out there that people have been working in for many, many years, they really go an inch deep and a mile wide, right? So they, they all touch on a little bit of everything, but no one really dives deep into any one thing. And um, with sports becoming more advanced, you look at all of the teams, all of the agencies, they've got dedicated BI teams now, they've got dedicated um, groups really handling more than just ticket sales. It always used to be like when I was at the Suns, um, we had a really strong BI team for ticket sales led by um, some really smart folks and they were mining CRM data and they were working with folks like Fan Interactive and others to really start to understand what that, that ticket buyer looks like because that was the, the spot where the cash flow happened, right? But as sponsorship, as media, as licensing really started to take off, you look at what has gone on out in the industry and every team now for the most part has dedicated um, research and analytics departments dedicated to sponsorship. And so those teams have become very sophisticated. Uh, and the tools that everyone's been using have not kind of grown up with the needs that the teams have had. And so the feedback we've gotten over the last decade of doing this type of work has been, you know, I wish someone would build me something like this. Um, and th the opportunity to do that is now, right? Technology being what it is, AI being cheaper and easier to work with. Um, it became a, a, a really good time to step out and say, let's go field studies that are hitting teenagers and adults across all of North America to start with before we go out and, and spread our wings into the other parts of the world. Um, and then pair that at the same time with the TV exposure data that we've all been using for many, many years as well. But, but let's bring that up into this century as well and not do that by hand and not use the same old systems that everyone's been using for many years. 
Well, Scott, I mean, it, it's amazing what you and, and your team are able to do. And why don't, why don't we, you mentioned briefly, you know, your time at the Suns. I'd love to sort of take it back a little bit for, for our audience here on our 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show and give a little background on you personally, all the things that you've done that have really basically, you know, as you shared with me, informed you to create Vision Insights. Yeah. So look, if I go back to my days, even before the Suns to the Harlem Globetrotters, right? I think um, my very first touching point of research and data was coming out of a meeting. We were pitching the hotel category and we were really trying to, to nail one there. I always felt like hotels was a great spot for the Globetrotters to be. We traveled a lot. We're talking, you know, dozens of room nights every single night across the country, all over the world. Let's at least get a good rate and maybe some cash, right? So um, had a, a really good situation where Wyndham Hotel Group and Choice Hotels were both looking at doing a deal with us at the same time, which was the dream scenario. And we were walking out of a meeting with Choice Hotels uh, and the guy said, look, we really want to do this deal. We need some sort of data to prove that this is going to put heads in beds. Um, and then the folks from Wyndham emailed literally that afternoon and said, hey, our franchise board's really interested, but we need something to prove this will fill rooms. And so I, I looked at my coworkers at the time and I said, we need to go out and get some research. Um, and that was really the, the first point, right? Like my background, my, my college education, my training was not in analytics. It was not in, in, uh, in numbers at all. I was a broadcast radio guy, I wanted to be the next Howard Stern, but, but saw the convergence of media really kind of collapsing with syndication in, in terms of you know, how many stations can Ryan Seacrest be on at the same time. If he's on 200 of them, that means 199 other people don't have a job. So when I got out of, of media, which is what my background was, and got into uh, working at the Globetrotters, just really by happenstance, um, it really did uh, open my eyes to, to the research side of sports, right? And, and mining that database and understanding who our fans were and how much money they spend at hotels. And the pitch was easy once we had that data, right? It was very simple to go into both of them and say, look, here's, here's what it is. We've got X amount of fans that spend this many nights a year traveling. They travel for business. They travel for fun. They take their families. This is the type of hotel that they're staying in. How do we take some of that and just move that over to you through all of these assets that we're going to be creative with tickets and hospitality. And we've got, you know, branding in the show. We're going to tag you in all of our advertising all of those things. And just by showing them, hey, look, if I move 1% of your you know, potential audience out of our fan base over to spend money with you, it pays for this sponsorship tenfold. Um, and that was really where it started for me in, in, in this space, right? And playing with the numbers and, and storytelling using data. And I think that's the biggest missing piece from what you know my industry does is, is tell that story very well. And, and that was where I kind of carved out my niche. And very quickly after the Globetrotters stopped, moved over to work for a, a small boutique startup at the time that we had hired at the Globetrotters to do the research, which was Navigate at the time and um, was selling research for those guys and, and spent a lot of time over there for a couple of years running around and, you know, hit on a lot of things that, that we wanted to do with that business. And that was, you know, the spot I would say I cut my teeth in research. Um, again, having come out of, you know, Northern Arizona University, it's not like I went to Stanford. I didn't go to Ohio and get an MBA in sports like all these other kids. I had to work harder than anybody else to, to get there and did a lot of uh, heavy lifting with a lot of our clients because I enjoyed it. Right. To me, the numbers and the storytelling and what happens behind the scenes was so much more interesting than what happens on the court or on the field of play. So um, that was kind of how I got into into the space. But I left Navigate after a couple of years to go work for the Suns, um, which is where, you know, I got really cool experience and a lot of fun working with some really big brands and, and you know, really understanding how these brands are measuring these types of investments and really starting to hone in on what's actually missing. Right. I remember sitting in meetings when when Blaze De Silva was at Budweiser and we would go in and see him and he would say, all this stuff is great. You're giving me, but we have our own framework. 
we already know, like we can't pay for these deals with what we're spending and, you know, and selling in your, in your venue. Um, and so really getting down to the, the questions and spending time asking, you know, our clients questions and talking about measurement frameworks and how do we prove out that this stuff works or doesn't work and, and what do we need to do to, to, to earn that business is really where, you know, I, I saw an opportunity and, and wanted to jump back into the data space. You know, I, I, it was, it was awesome. You know, re real quick on, on that point. I mean, what was the secret? How were you able to convince, uh, you know, a, a major, you know, like an organization, like a Budweiser, like how, how did you convince them? Look, it's, it's coming up with agreed upon KPIs, right? What are the things that we can control that you'll hold us accountable for? And I think that's the biggest missing piece that always ends up happening in, in most sponsorship deals, right? Especially in the beverage category, those rights are so high and some of them can be tied to pouring and some of them can't. Um, and, and so really, you know, coming up with what is it that success looks like that we can actually handle, that we can contribute to? Because I, I can't control what happens at retail. I can give you the use of my IP and my marks and all of the, the logos, but, you know, it's what's the expression in auto? The feel of the wheel gets the deal, right? I can send them to the dealership, but they got to get in the car and test drive it. And so it's a little bit on the brand as well. And so I think one of the, the big learnings that I had from my time at the Suns was it's not really fair sometimes for these these brands to hold these rights holders accountable for things that they have no control over whatsoever. Um, and it's it's a whole nother ballgame. So I think step one was let's let's agree on some what success looks like and then let's go out and, and hit those success metrics versus, you know, we'll just throw a billion impressions at you and see how much much beer we can get people to drink. Yes, that's it's it's like, you know, when you, as you're saying this, I mean, certainly a world that we play in, you know, so much here at 76 Capital is the world of sports betting today, where I think the beginning was just throw all this at everybody. Now it's like, wait a second, we can actually target and use data and research and insights and, and analytics to really market and, and do things the right way. You know, one of you know, a friend of ours here at 76, you know, she's she she used she was a she. She currently is the CRO at, at a, a major sports team. And, you know, she talks about how, you know, 99% of her fans never set foot in the arena or the stadium. Yep. And how do you reach them? So, you know, from your world, I know this is something that you're, you're, you guys are, 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 are specialists on. Yeah, look, I think that that access to fans, right? Everyone kind of focuses on that that seventy five mile radius or whatever that marketing territory is that Elite grants you. Uh, and what we've seen is, you know, it's it's not quite ninety nine percent, but it's pretty low, right? The actual penetration in your market is low, especially you think about really big teams like the Green Bay Packers, where you've got such a really small city, right? If every single person in Green Bay went to, you know. Went, went and said they're a Packers fan, it still would be minuscule compared to what's happening out in the rest of the country for them. And so um, our survey that we launched, we launch it nationally. And so we're looking at, um, you know, you and I, Wayne, living in different cities. I live in Phoenix, you live in Philly. Um, we can both be fans of the same team. Um, and we probably would be fans of the same team. And in some of the old school tools that people were using, there was no way to account for that. So you enter social media and you can at least start to see where my likes are coming from, where my follows are coming from. And that was the, the first benchmark was, oh, my gosh, I can see that most of my social media behavior, right, is not coming from my city, but I can't really take credit for any of it and I can't sell it and I can't promote it outside of my city. Um, but they're still there. Right. And I think 
Uh, you know, what we've done over here at Vision with, with our North American panel and the way that we're fielding this study is really looking at things not just across the country. So previously there were tools out there that allowed teams to start looking at, you know, okay, I'm, I'm a Philly-based team, I'm a New York-based team, like the Yankees, for example, right? Yankees fans are everywhere. And so how do we go out and find those Yankees fans, even though I can't market to them if I'm, you know, if I'm doing a deal in New York and the Yankees can't sell me in Arizona as a Yankees fan, um, but I still exist, right? I'm watching games. I, I might come to New York and go to games. I'm still there. I engage on social, all of those things. Um, and, and I think that just looking at it in the U.S. was not enough, right? Fans exist all over the place. And so that's why we expanded that, that footprint into Canada and Mexico to start with. And, and you can see our roadmap will very easily expand into Europe, Asia, Middle East, and, and Latin America, um, because people are really looking for a deep dive into fandom. And um, you know, how do I reach those people? So we're asked a lot of questions in our survey about um, how they're consuming the, the sport, right? How are they consuming their favorite team? Let's rank those teams as well, which is a unique uh, question to us. So we're looking at like, where are, you know, the Yankees number one, where are they number two, where are they number three? Um, you look at some of these two city or two team cities, right? Like if we look at the LA area, you know, the Angels are not going to beat the Dodgers in LA, but do they beat them somewhere else? Um, and so we can find that out as well. And so really starting to dive deeper into how, you know, how are these people fans? How do you get them, get them early? All of those things. I even look at myself as an example. My folks were from New York, but I grew up in Arizona where we didn't have a professional baseball team for a very long time when I was a child. Um, Diamondbacks didn't come in until much, much later. So I'm a Yankees fan by, by birth, basically, right? It was kind of genetically passed down to me. We had spring training, so we used to go to Cubs games. So I'm also a Cubs fan. Um, you know, but now because the Diamondbacks are there based on proximity, I'm a Diamondbacks fan as well. And so we really did start diving into what makes those people fans um, and why they're fans and what makes them sticky. And if you understand that, then you can start figuring out how to market to those people that are that are out of market as well. Right. And, and figure out. I mean, that's why there's Eagles and Steelers bars all over the country, um, regardless of where you live. You can always find an Eagles crowd. Um, it's because those fans live everywhere. Fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, you know, I think you've, you've mentioned you know, your company at Vision Insights. And I think as you know, and you mentioned to me earlier, I mean, you, you have a, you have a heck of a team, you know, um, and I think like that's such an important thing as a leader, as someone who, you know, a CEO of a company, what it really means to build a business. Why don't you share with our audience, you know, a little bit about your team, you know, who, who's on it, who's, you know, and, and some of the roles that they do and, and how important it is, you know, to make sure you have the right people on your team to build it. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think everyone says we've got the best group of folks out there, right? And I, I would I would put our resumes up against anybody else's out there in the industry. I, I would say that most of our competitors are very hard pressed to find more than one or two people that have actually worked at a rights holder um, that understand what happens to the data once it leaves their desk and goes over to the client. And, and we've got a lot of them. So if I start with uh, Tracy Shinadel, who's our chief operating officer, who's very much like a, a crown jewel of our industry. She's been doing this for over 30 years, PhD in, in research methods. She's taught at plenty of universities as an adjunct as well. Um, you know, when when she sits down at the desk and starts writing these surveys and working with the clients, it's, it really is a magical thing. And you team her up with somebody like Zahir Benjamin, who um, Zahir is, I think someone recently referred to him as a cheat code um, in our industry. The guy is, is, <laughs> is a weapon, um, you know, Princeton undergrad, MIT grad school. He's worked as, you know, head of strategy and insights at the Suns, which is where I crossed paths with him. Um, he ran that same practice at Chelsea in the UK. He recently ran it at Real Madrid. Um, 
um, you know, this guy is very well known in our space amongst the people that do what we do. Um, and to have him as our president of, of product and strategy, building out these tools and building out our, our global plan of attack and our strategy, um, it's been fantastic. He was the toughest person to sit across the table from as a buyer too. So when, when he came over, I said, look, so here, this is great. Just build me something that you would buy. Um, and that's what we've got. And, and so, you know, you team him up with the likes of a Georgie Webb, who's been doing this since, you know, I mean, when I got to RepuCom, she was at RepuCom back in the day. So she's been doing this forever, um, looking at media analytics, valuations, custom research, client servicing, the whole nine yards. Uh, a Nikolai Panchev, who I think everyone who works at a team over the last 20 years has worked with Nikolai in some way, shape or form when he was at Turnkey. Um, and then, you know, you kind of go down that list of, of folks who, who, again, have sat in a seat. We've got a collection of people who have either worked at rights holders like Learfield or ASU or the Phoenix Suns or the Orlando Magic. Um, and, and what's important about that is that that's the team that's going to be working with you to make sure that you're getting what you need. Um, you couple that with data scientists and operational engineers behind the scenes to really help prop this thing up. Um, we've got statistically significant, relevant data that 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 holds water. That's that's you know positioned in front of you by people who know what you're going to do with it. You're not going to find a better team of people um, out there, in my opinion, who who have either you know worked in your seat or worked with you long enough to know exactly what you're going to do with it. You know, as CEO of, of the company, I mean. How, how, what was the process like bringing this team together and sort of having it gel as a team? I mean, it's, it's like sports, right? I mean, it's like anything, you, when you bring people together, they have to have the, the right, the right skill sets. You picked all these amazing people from all these places. And sometimes the dream team doesn't work, but like, how were you able to get everyone together to work together and to, to build what you've built so far at Vision Insights? Yeah, look, I think the, the first thing is, you know, you can read all the leadership books you want and about team building and all these things. And I've read a lot of them. People that know me know I love to read those things. Um, I, I would say that, you know, filling in the gaps is the most important part, right? Like I am not a data scientist. We needed to go out and find the best data scientist. Um, we went and did that, you know, getting people with more credibility than myself, right? I, I might be the hype man and the mouthpiece for the business. It, it was, you know, a vision that Tracy and I had, had put together to, to really roll this thing out. But at the end of the day, none of it works without the right people. And so finding folks like a Chris Todd, for example, who's a genius on our marketing and our PR, um, doesn't want to take the credit for it, but he's absolutely uh, one of the most creative people in terms of data storytelling that I've seen. So all the stuff you see us posting on our LinkedIn and our other social channels, it all comes from him. Um, getting someone like him bought in and then, and then helping him to, to grow. And I love to push people just a little bit outside their comfort zones. Um, but I think the thing is, what, right, what was really exciting for a lot of folks about coming over here is it's something new. And the narrative is, is real. It's been built for our industry. So it's the only thing that does what we do that has actually been built for our space. And so when we go out and we talk to folks who have sat at, in the seat, whether it be at a Learfield or it be at a, a rights holder or it be at another agency um, that's a client of these things, we always start the conversation with, don't you wish you had something that did this? Uh, well, let's go do it together. And, you know, people see that vision and they see that energy and that enthusiasm. And, um, you know, the folks that know me and have known me for years, if you've heard me say for a long time, Monday is the best day of the week, right? We're all back at work. We get to be together. We're going to get back at it. I love doing staff meetings on Mondays because let's get energized for the week. Um, you know, this is what we do the most while we're awake. And so we got to make sure that we put ourselves around the best people that are all aligned for a common mission, a common goal. Um, and I think the other the other thing that's really important is that as a leader, right, I won't 
I will not expect anyone on my team to do something that I wouldn't do. And so, you know, when we signed a, a big contract with Major League Baseball to go out and, and work the World Baseball Classic, I was on the ground for two weeks out there with the team, collecting email addresses, doing the work as well. Do you want me to run your study? No, I'm not the research guys. You want Nikolai, you want Tracy, you want Georgie, you want all of them doing it. But in terms of, of being on the ground with the team, getting my hands dirty, I'm the first one out there with everybody to do it because none of this stuff is, is you know, beneath any of us. And, and so, you know, the way I always explain, you know, my position in the company when I'm out with someone is, oh, this is so-and-so, I work for them. My job is to help them get their job done. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, so, you know, is there, you know, you talk about the team and being able to lead the team. Has, has, was there ever someone, you know, in your career uh, that was a mentor, a leader, someone that, or a coach, or a parent that really helped move you um, in the in the right direction and has kind of shaped your career. You know, it, it's funny. Like I, I'm not athletic at all, so um, I didn't have any good coaches that were able to help me uh, get that that ability. But um, you know, I would say I had a lot of bosses that were not real leaders, and I've modeled what I don't want to be after those people, and I, I make a conscious effort of that. And so I look at the demotivating and the kind of the energy zapping things that I've had to go through in the past um, that that I don't ever want to put anyone through. And so I try and do the exact opposite of those things. But I've had folks like, um, you know, a John Brody or a Lou DePauli, uh, Danny Townsend and, and, and others of the like who I've worked with, whether they be at clients over the years or just good friends and mentors um, or even other bosses and leaders that I've worked with um, who I try and model after, after. And, you know, I do talk to some of them on a regular basis still and I run things by them and say, hey, what about this or this is the situation I'm in. And, you know, I never had, a, you know, I didn't go to you know, a sports grad school program where they team you up with people for mentorship and all that. And so, um, but you know, the thing that I, I do though a lot is I actually do a lot of mentoring for college kids as a result of that. So I'll go and speak at some of these sports business programs. And I find that to be super valuable as well, right? It keeps my finger on the pulse of what's going on with the next generation of potential employees. And I find that to be motivating because then I hear from the next generation of, of folks what do they like? What don't they like? You know, what is it going to take to, to lead them? Because, you know, it's a different ballgame when you look at someone in their 40s or 50s and you look at someone in their 20s. Uh, Work-life balance looks different. Uh, the expectation in the office looks different. All of those things. And, and so really trying to keep my finger on, on the pulse of all of that, I find to be just as valuable as the time spent with, with a John Brody or a Lou DiPoli over the years. You know, at 76 Capital, as you know, we're all about the next, next thing. We're all about, you know, finding the entrepreneurs, getting behind, you know, amazing companies who are who are truly pushing the limits, trying to figure out the next major, you know, thing that's going to happen across the world of sports and technology. And when you look out over the next couple of years, what are some of the things that you see that will that we should be preparing for um, across across the world of sports and and in, in the world that you play in? Look, I, I think the biggest thing that I'm keeping my eye on is, is really the growth of women's sports, not just in the pro, but in the collegiate space. I think we saw a lot of that the last couple of weeks around the final four and, you know, NWSL is hitting record numbers. I think the WNBA is going to come out of the gates really strong this year as well. Um, and I, I think that that to me is more interesting than the likes of a pickleball or some of these other things that are starting to really pop up there. Um, you know, I would tell you, everyone's going to say AI and blockchain and all of those things too. AI is going to only take us so far in sports. I think that at some point, the human element needs to be there because the one thing you cannot teach a machine is, is passion, right? They're just not going to understand that people respond differently to a win and a loss. They'll get that formula. 
but they won't actually get it, right? Um, and so AI is one. I, the, I think more importantly than the things to watch out for are things to, to stay away from as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, buzz recently around actual sales attribution and data and modeling, but it's so hard to, to prove out and companies try and do it and fail miserably. And there's panel matching and all of these things um, through blockchain technology and the sample sizes just end up being too low to be statistically insignificant. Um, so we always watch out for those things. But I, I would say the thing I'm keeping my eye on the most right now is, is really the growth of women's sports. I think that that's going to be um, big, big money. I think it's going to be a massive growth area. Um, I also am looking at the convergence of a few things too. Like you see, you know, Endeavor taking stake in WWE and Barrett Jackson and other entertainment properties over the years. Um, you know, if I had to, to bet, I think minor league baseball will look much, much different in the next two to three years as well as, you know, they've got some changes coming up on the horizon and there's going to be teams that won't be able to afford to stay in business. Um, and so, you know, and, and I think that family entertainment is going to pop on. And, and I think we're starting to see some of these things change with Major League Baseball with the pitch clock. It, it, like they're realizing the attention span of people just isn't there anymore. And, and we saw that with cricket in the 2020 um, over in Australia when they switched formats as well. And, you know, if baseball can start doing that, it's, it's going to get it younger. It's going to get a more attractive fan base. Um, you know, families, families, families. I think that's that's going to be the big key. Fascinating. I mean, you mentioned passion. And it's one of the things, again, that, you know, I, I talk about all the time. I, I you know, I'm, I, I believe, you know, I believe it's such an important part of everything that we do. And you think about the world of sports and it's the one thing that, you know, I say that, you know, you can be an amazing brand, but very few, very few people will tattoo a brand on their body, but people will tattoo their favorite team on their body their favorite player. These are, it's unbelievable. So, you know, with that and, and really understanding the world of marketing, being able to actually quantify it is what, what you guys do. Right. I mean, is, how do you, how do you then take that and then help the, the brand, you know, do a deal with a team or a team sell a brand? How does, how does that all kind of come together with that amazing additional piece that you're just not selling a product. You're also selling a product, but like people will, they, as you said, you like you live and you, 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 you're born a fan of something and you're always that fan. Yeah. Look, it, it's, it's the number one thing I think besides families that people are the most passionate about is their sports. I, I would say family first sports, a second, and then music is probably a, a close third. And then depending on you know, where they sit, religion could be in there somewhere too, right? So, um, but sports is a religion for a lot of people. Um, and I look at, you know, a lot of our guys that work here, <clears throat> guys and gals that work here, and, you know, they do have tattoos of teams, logos on their chest, on their arm, on their ankle, um, all of it, right? And, and so, look, I, I think the way we, we get to that and the way you can quantify that and you can measure it is one of the questions we ask in our survey is about how you would describe yourself or how people would describe you, right? So, um, you know, I look at my brother as an example, as a diehard Yankees fan. Um, he is very passionate about the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, again, we had the Suns growing up. We didn't have the Diamondbacks. And so that's one of those reasons why. And when, when people describe him to other folks, they describe him as, oh, this is Gary. He's a huge Yankees fan. Oh, this is Gary. He's a big Suns fan. Even even a friend of mine, Chad, is a, an enormous Suns fan, right? He's like a walking encyclopedia for the Suns. They live and die by the Suns. And, you know, and so, look, I, I think that when we ask people about that, how do you describe yourself, right? And you describe yourself as being a self-proclaimed sports nut. It's in the fabric of what you do. It's, it's how you live and breathe. 
Um, I, I think that that's a good way to get to some sort of an intangible boost, right? To say, yeah, the, look, this CPM gets you this far in terms of valuation, but really we can top it off because these people are crazy. They're, they're really excited about what you put in front of them. And look, I mean, I, I've got a story about my brother walking into a restaurant and, and having to go over and talk to some people about getting access to their table in the bar when they were leaving, but they were wearing Red Sox jerseys and he wouldn't do it because he's a Yankees fan. And so that still exists, right? That rivalry is still there. And he's like, I'm not talking to those guys. Those guys are Red Sox fans. Forget it. Um, and, and he had some choice profanity included with that as well, being a diehard Yankees fan. But, you know, the, the way you quantify that is that you ask people like, all right, so, you know, if I am a huge fan of this team and this team is sponsored by these brands, right? Are you going to buy those brands? And the answer is yes, more than it's no. Um, and when you can get that lift and show that our fans are three times or four times more likely to do something, um, especially those super fans, those mega fans, people who on an avidity scale are at the top, plus you roll in that it's in the fabric of, of who I am. It's in my DNA. I was born into this. Um, you see numbers go through the roof. And, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the group you're looking for. It's the most receptive group to, to sponsorship and sports marketing that exists. Well, Scott, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, I wish you the best of luck at with with vision insights and to you and your whole team and i just love the the passion that you have for for the world of sports and the world of sports business and being able to really take a look at the you know go deep on the the marketing side of things and really research things and and get into the the the, the real reason why people are are passionate about about the world of sports and 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 different you know teams that they're involved with yeah. No, thank you so much, Wayne. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Well, I look forward to having you back someday on our 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. Scott, again, it's been awesome. And uh, I really wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much.